Oh my goodness, God has got some amazing things. My name is Zach Stevens. I get the honor and privilege to serve you as one of our pastors on staff here. I want to welcome all of our campuses. We are so excited about what God is doing in this series, All the Fields. Now let's start this weekend out with a few questions. Here's the first one. What did you come needing from God this weekend? What do you need from God? Now let me get a little more specific. Do you feel like you need more faith or more fear from God? Now, obviously, some people are saying, hey, it's a no-brainer. I need faith. Faith is what I need. Let me ask it a little bit differently. Would you say that you need more faith in God or fear of God? This weekend is going to challenge us. But I really do believe this weekend we're going to come at an intersection where we have the opportunity. We have the privilege to obey God at a deeper level than we ever have. I really believe this weekend is going to change homes. It's going to change individuals. It's going to change neighborhoods. It could change our nation if we're faithful. So let's take a minute right up front. Ask God for his perspective. Ask God for his purpose for our life. And ask God for his provision for us to walk out the calling he's given us. God, we come before you right now. And we just pray that in this moment, that we would be able to discern what you're calling us to. Holy Spirit, I pray for boldness. I pray that we would leave behind generational curses, things that people have spoken over, over us, and we would receive what you have spoken into us. Because what you say about us is true. So God, we love you. Uh, I ask that you go far beyond our worship today. You go far beyond my message today, and you would change our hearts and our lives to look like what you have designed them to be. In your precious name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, hey, welcome all of our campuses. Amen, give God some praise to all of our campuses. I hope you're excited. Welcome, we're so glad you're here. Welcome home uh, for the second week of All the Fields as we spend the month of April uh, looking at all of our emotions and trying to figure out what we are to do with them. Now, regardless if you're joining us live at a campus or if you're joining us online or listening later in the week, our deepest desire is that you would feel God's favor, that you would find God's favor in your life and share it with those around you so they can have God's favor in their life too because that is our purpose. We're called to see that favor in our life and in the lives of people around us. So let me ask you one more faith and fear question. Can faith and fear be at work in you at the same time? Can faith and fear be at work at you in you at the same time? If there's anything that 2020 taught us, it's that fear is alive and well all over the world. But you know what, it shouldn't have taken us a, a global pandemic or riots or uh, elections or shutdowns or just general unrest for us to realize this truth. Because if we're honest, if we're really honest, most of us would say that we know truth is alive and well inside of us, inside of each of us. There's been some recent studies that show 77% of Americans actually have a fear of public speaking. That 75% of Americans have dental fear or anxiety. And some of you guys came to church this week and hoping for some inspiration. Well, I've got it for you. Let's watch this video together. This is my, my older son, River. Um, oh, no, it turned on us. Um, you can see right here, this is him getting his teeth cleaned. Uh, and my man is 100% asleep. They're having to peel his lips back to clean his teeth. That's what peace looks like, okay? And if you'll just pray more, no, I'm just joking. But, that, oh, you're so, sucking the spit out. Um, so, uh, River slept to the dentist. It was either that or he was gonna bite somebody. So that's really the 
lesser of the two evils, if you think about it. Uh, but also 33% of Americans have a fear of failure. So I, I, what I want to do is I want to start from the, a, a place where we can all agree. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to stop at the book of wisdom or Proverbs. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's a great book. There's 31 chapters in that book. So maybe it's a great thing if you're looking for a way to read the Bible. You can read a chapter a day. Do it with your group. It's an amazing thing to do. But I would say as a pastor that the prayer request that I have gotten the most is one for wisdom. People say, God, I just need wisdom. It's one that I've asked for quite a bit. I need God's wisdom in my life. Well, let's look at where the Bible tells us to go to get it. In Proverbs 1, 7, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the first step in knowledge and wisdom. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're saying I need to fear God? Is that a thing? Is that, is that something that I should do? Well, let me tell you a little bit about yourself and about myself. In Genesis 1.27, it says that we were made in God's image. So everything that you have, God has given to you, including fear. But what the enemy tends to do is twist God-ordained things for his purpose, or we try to use them for our purpose, and it gets us in a bad spot. So before we go any further this weekend, let me ask you to consider, to consider, is it possible that your fear is misplaced? Is it possible that your fear is misplaced? Are you afraid of relationships? Are you afraid of love? And maybe that's why you find yourself looking at pornography instead of pursuing God's plan for intimacy with your spouse. Are you afraid of your work doesn't really matter? Are you afraid that maybe people won't think you're all that special? And that's why you find yourself looking and seeing how many likes a picture has or seeing how many numbers are in your bank account. Are you afraid that maybe um, people who are doing wrong will go unpunished or injustice will go unpunished? Maybe that's why it's easier for us to vent our anger on social media and hold grudges instead of praying for people who look and think differently than we do. Maybe that's why we can live in fear of people. Maybe we fear their opinions. And maybe that's why we choose a lot of times to have a greater fear of me than of he. And if we're not careful, that's the trap we'll fall into. Maybe you're thinking, Zoe, no, no way, Zach, that's not me. Man, I'm not afraid of anything. All the podcasts I listen to and the inspirational YouTube videos I watch on the way to work, right? They all say I can overcome fear. That I don't have to, I can live a life without fear. Well, hey, let, let, let me tell you, if you're trying to live a life without fear, but God says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, are you really on track to living a life that honors God? Here's the truth that we can start from, something we can agree on, because I know this fear is, is, is a challenging subject. Fear is just part of living with all the feels. It's not something we're going to be able to eradicate. It's not something we were meant to eradicate. It's something we have in common. It really is. It's given to us by God for his purpose. Now, if you're not sure about God, if, if you're just visiting this weekend because maybe you're curious or, or, or somebody brought you, let me tell you what I hope happens for you this weekend. I hope that you will see how to live with all the fields without losing control. How to live with all the fields without losing control. Whether you're a believer or not, we don't want to lose control. We want to be in control of what's going on. 
But we really do believe, we really desire for us to have lives like what Jesus described in John 10.10. When he said, I came that they, that's you and I, may have life and have it abundantly. That's Jesus' plan for our life, that we would have life and life to the full. So if you're a Christ follower, as it pertains to your emotions, we hope that we see how to live with all the fields without losing our freedom that Jesus died to give us, but also that we wouldn't lose our freedom while we lead others to that freedom, because that's our purpose. Freedom wasn't meant to be hoarded. It's something that's meant to be shared with real people around us who need it. So let me ask you again. Can faith and fear be at work in you at the same time? What we're going to do is we're going to go to God's Word, because that's where we go to get answers to questions like this. That's where we go to get examples like this. That's where we go to see this worked out in people's lives. And we're going to look at somebody named Gideon, a guy named Gideon. You may be saying, who's Gideon? Who is that? Well, let me tell you what Gideon says about himself. This is in Judges 6. We're going to be in Judges 6 uh, really for our rest of our time together. In Judges 6.15, he says this, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family, right? This is a guy I can resonate with, a guy with a little bit of insecurity, a guy who's a little unsure, uh, wondering, hey, can I do what God has called me to do? And this isn't just what Gideon would say to us. This is exactly what Gideon says to God. In verse 11, we see this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. Now listen, some of us aren't reading the Bible because we get to words we don't know. Just push through those things. Just make up something. That's okay. Listen, they, they had nothing to do with phonics, all right? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Just shove through there. The word phonics doesn't even make sense with phonics, okay? It's a different sermon. Don't distract me. I'm reading something, okay? The Abyssalite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So we see Gideon, who's Joash's son, hiding from their oppressors, hiding from the enemy. When God came looking for Gideon, he found him hiding. We see Gideon's people, God's people, hiding, and they were in a scary situation. Listen, this weekend, number one, I want you to know that God is looking for you. He's looking for a response from you. And number two, if you're in a scary situation, it is okay. Here's a scary situation the Israelites found themselves in. We see this in Judges 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, in caves, and in strongholds. They were so scared, they weren't even hiding like in tents or like in tent cities. They were hiding like in caves, in cracks of the caves. They were so scared, they did not want to be in public at all. Now, before we go judging them, let's ask ourselves a few questions. Is there anything that we're hiding from? Is there anything that we're too fearful to do? Is there anything that in our life, whether it be internally or with somebody, that we won't confront because we're too afraid of what might happen? Listen, get this truth. This is huge. I hope your family receives this. I hope you receive this. What you focus on fuels your fear. What you focus on fuels your fear. For Gideon, in what we just read, his, his focus was on the enemy, the Midianites, not his God. 
In fact, listen to what Gideon says, and you'll probably find some of your thoughts in this passage, and it should make us ask, where is my focus? Where is my fear? Where is my faith? Gideon says, pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened, right? Where, 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 are, where are the wonders that, that our ancestors talked about when they said, did the Lord not bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. How many of us have felt that way? Gideon's focus, his fear, and his faith were on the enemy. But here's what I want us to see. Because we find ourselves in those places and I think if, we, if we're honest, we would sit and think, we wonder what would God's response be to that? What would God's response be to our fear? What would God's response be to our lack of faith? Let me show you exactly what his response was to Gideon. In verse 14, he says this, and the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Now listen, when God calls you to something, I think a lot of us are waiting for like a Rocky Balboa montage. You know what I'm talking about, dun, 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 right? Or, or, or we're thinking about, I, I'm watching the, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now. When it, whenever the Falcon, he, he's learning, he's, he's trying to toss the shield, he's got this big training thing, you know, so motivational. And we think that's what needs to happen when God prompts us to do something. That's the movies, this, that's theory. Let's talk about reality. God says, go in the strength you have, and I will deliver. The reason, the reason that we can do that is because of what God says to Gideon next. In verse 16, he says, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midians and leave none alive. Something else I want us to see, God's with you in the strength you have right now. Something else I want us to see in that, he said, none, leave none alive. This is something God just spoke to me while I was preparing this message. So maybe it's just for me. But I see God claiming over us complete victory. I will leave none alive. How many of us have been struggling with this pet sin for years? Doubt, fear, addiction, whatever it might be. But we need, God is claiming for us complete victory. But let me ask you specifically about our life, about your life. What is the last thing that God asks you to do? Listen, because real, authentic, intimate time with God usually leads to a move on our part. Whether it's personally or for somebody else, towards somebody else. That's such a powerful question. What's the last thing that God asked me to do? Did I do it? Why or why not? As God's people chosen to prepare his mission, his calling for people that he loves who are far from him, shouldn't we be obedient? Listen, what has your fear has your faith? What has your fear has your faith? How about this? I know so many of us want stronger faith. We say, I want, I want stronger faith. That's what I need from God. What if we let our lives be shaped by even the little things shaped by fearing God and not by fearing man? Because listen, whenever we focus on God, everything is a small thing compared to him. Everything is a small thing compared to him. And that's something we have to believe for Gideon, trusting God leads to an unbelievable victory over the Midianites. I'm telling you, it's crazy. It's in Judges 7. I want to encourage you to read it with your group or with your family or somebody this week. It's so good. And honestly, as a storyteller, it's the story I wish I could tell you this weekend. But God has called us to talk about something that happens in Judges 6. See, before this huge, big, victorious altercation could take place, an altar had to be torn down. 
Gideon tests God three times in Judges 6 alone. Gideon tests God. But since God got Gideon's reverent fear, it resulted in faithful action. In uh, verses 25 and 26, it says this. Now the same night the Lord told him. So that means the same night that God called Gideon, he moved. I think that there's an expected expediency to what God has called us to do. He says, pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father. Talk about some drama, right? You don't have to watch Desperate Housewives for some drama. He's saying, tell down the altar in front of your dad's house, cut down the asher beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God. This is a dangerous mission. Not only was this altar to Baal sacred to Gideon, Gideon's community, but it was his dad's. It was in front of his dad's house. This most likely meant that Gideon's dad was the cult leader. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. What sort of culture are you constructing for your kids? Is it one that has a greater fear of man, of me, or of God? Is it one that's more obedient towards sports, academia, or towards what God has called them to do and to be with their life? That's why we do things like child dedication, because we want to make a declaration that this is the plan that God has for this child, and we are going to do that together. But for, uh, for adults, what's our next step? Listen up, Christ followers. This is huge. Before we can bring freedom, unity, peace, purpose to our communities, we need to have it in our life. We need to put God first in our lives, in our homes, in our communities. You know what else we need? We see Gideon leverage what we need in his life. In verse 27, it says, Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord commanded. He tore down that altar, right? And because he was too afraid of his father's house in the mid of the men of the sea to do it by day, he did it at night. Listen, if you struggle with all the feels, with fear, do you have a group? That's why we talk so much about growing together. That's why we talk about serving others. Do you have somebody, do you have people that you're doing this with? Because the devil is going to desperately try to stop you from what God has called you to do. What's, what's making you fearful of serving? Is it thinking you don't have what it takes? You don't have enough time? You don't have the ability? Those are lies from the enemy. Listen, a time of fear is a time for faith. A time of fear is a time for faith. Gideon still had all the feels, right? But he was still obedient, even though he did it at night. Now, let me show you why he did it at night. Let's look at the response from the town. This is big. This is big. Just, just push yourself in this scene for a moment. In verse 28, it says, When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down. They said to one another, Who did such a thing? Who would do this? And when they searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. And then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die for he has torn down the altar of Baal. And indeed he cut down the Asherah, which was beside it. That was just a part of that altar to a God named Baal. But Joash said, this is so big, what his dad does and steps up. So Joash said to those who stood with him, will you contend for Baal? Will you deliver Baal? Whoever will plead for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him contend for himself because someone has torn down his altar. Right here. This is where it takes a hard right turn into our life and where God is gonna ask us to respond this weekend. In verse 32, 
It says, therefore, from that day, they named him Jerubbaal. And that is to say, let Baal contend against him because he has torn down his altar. Let me ask you, what name has the world called you? What have you called yourself? Because that name, Jerubbaal, that was meant to follow Gideon for the rest of his life. It was meant to shape him. It was meant to shame him. It was meant to mock him. It was meant to judge him. When he would walk around the city, they wouldn't say, hey, Gideon anymore. They would say, hey, Jerubbaal, which meant you, you thought you were going to set us free. You thought you were going to walk in freedom, but Baal's going to get you. What do we speak over ourselves? What do we say? Do we say that we're a coward? Do we say that we're weak? Do we say that we're a quitter? Do we say we'll never amount to anything? What is it that we say about ourselves? Now, I know this thought of faith and fear, it's, it's, so, it's so big, and we're wondering what we should do in this moment. Oftentimes, oftentimes, the solution to fear is simple obedience. I know it's been huge in my life. Something I've found in my life is that simple obedience it's just an absolute game changer. So I, I've seen that one simple step taken in faith can overcome a thousand steps taken in fear. That's what we're gonna do right now. I'm gonna come back here in a minute. We're gonna talk about some practical things that we can do. But hey, can we be faithful in God's house? Can we be faithful and respond to the truth that he's speaking to your life right now, at all of our campuses, we're about to sing a song of response about how we fight our battles. And here's what I'm going to ask you specifically to do. What is the name that you believed about yourself? What is the altar that you have erected to, to a fear of man or to a fear of me? What is it that you believed about yourself that needs to be torn down? An altar of focus, faith, and fear needs to be built to God. As we sing, I'm going to ask you to tear it down. There's going to be people up front to pray with you. They came this weekend just so they could lay a hand on your shoulder and pray. If you're wearing a mask, fine. If you're not wearing a mask, fine. We want, we want to be up here and pray. We want you to experience freedom. Your potential is our passion. So let's take a moment. I'm going to pray for us. And let's enter into a time of healing. Let's, you may pray at your seat. You may come up and pray. But come on. Let's claim what God says about us, what the word says about us, not what the world says about us. God, we love you so much. And in this moment, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move. Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray that it would be so clear who you've called us to be. Holy Spirit, I pray, right, actually right now I pray, all, at all of our campuses right now, Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind the name that people have called themselves? Quitter, not enough, dumb, uh, you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. You'll never be able to accomplish that. You're not good enough. And would you please erect, tear down those altars in this moment and erect an altar that says, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. That God, you are the God of the universe and you want me. You desire me. You want a relationship with me. That I'm bought with a price. That that's who I am. God, would our lives be a living sacrifice to what you've done and who you are and what you desire for your people? Would you bring freedom right now as we lay down what we've called ourselves and what the world called us and we take up what you've called us? No more will we be known by Jerubbaal. We're just gonna sing this over you as you respond as the Holy Spirit leads.
as we pray right now, as we pray, as we pray. God, I just, I just bring, you bring the parable of the seed and the sower to my heart, to my spirit. And there was some seed that was cast and it fell on, on, on ground, it was scorched by the sun. There was some that was choked out by the roots. There was some that was trampled on, but then there were some that fell, found soft, good, fertile soil. And that seed grew to 30, 60, 100 fold harvest. God, and right now people are broken. Right now there's still people wrestling. And Holy Spirit, I know what you're doing is you are tilling up hard soil in our life. Maybe it's the whole ground of hard soil. Maybe it's just one part. But right now you're wanting to break that up and plant in the seed of the identity that you died to give us. And I pray that it would grow 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. I pray for a 1,000-fold harvest as we share what you're doing. I pray for a 10,000-fold harvest as people are called to ministry. I pray for a 100,000-fold harvest as people are called to the mission field and there's, there's people who lead people to Christ, who lead people to Christ, who lead people to Christ. Generations of disciples who love you and will no longer go by a Jeru Baal, a fear of man or of me name, but one that you give us. We rest in it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now we're gonna have more time of response here at the end. If you're praying, continue to pray. We're in no hurry. This is a time we just wanna be with God. But what I wanna do in these next few minutes is I wanna take some time and I wanna tell you practically how we're gonna walk this out. Because hey, this isn't something we do one time and it's done. This is something we do continually and we walk this out. Let me tell you the best way I've seen this happen. 
We've already talked about God's word, and the next part is journaling. No question, I've been discipling people for over 15 years now, and I have found, I haven't even found a second to, to something that brings people into consistent intimacy with God and prayer like journaling. Now, you can try to sass me and call this a diary, and that's fine. I'll fling this at you. Got no qualms. But you know what? You can call it a diary and give me a nice pink fuzzy one. If it brings me into intimacy with God, I'm going to use it. Amen? I'm going to use it. I'm telling you, this thing is a treasure to me. I try to fill two up a year. This is a game changer. But I know that not everybody was taught had a journal, and so what I want to do is I want to take right now and give you three very practical things to do as you start to journal. Can I stop for a second? Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. I'm going to call you to be the spiritual leader of your house. Hey, if you're a single mom, that's you. Hey, if your parents aren't believers yet, student, Gideon had to tear down the altar in his dad's yard. I'm not saying go break your dad's golf clubs or anything like that. That's on you. All right, if the spirit leads, I will not follow you there. That's up to you, my friend. But, but, right? What we, somebody's gonna have to be faithful, not just to journal, but make this a conversation in your house. Let me tell you the first thing I wanna ask you to journal. The first thing is I want you to write down what God has already done. Write down what God has already done. This, and they're gonna be on the screen. You can write it down, take a picture, whatever. But I literally, I want you to take action this week. We at Faith Promise, we will not be perfect, but we will be a people of action. God, amen? God honors our action. So the first thing we do is write down what God's already done. This is not gonna come easy, this, but this is going to help us build a culture of gratitude in our hearts and our homes, right? That is not our culture. Usually culture is not one of gratitude except for the one day a year when we eat too much, right? But we should have a culture of gratitude every day. Write down what you're grateful for, what God has already done. Here's the next thing I want you to do. Now, we've had a lot of conviction already today, all right? So what's one more, right? It's not gonna kill you. Just receive this, okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down the last couple things that God has asked you to do. What are the last couple things the Holy Spirit has prompted you to do? I want you to do this every day or at least once a week. I want you to write down, here's the things that God has asked me to do. And I want you, again, either weekly or either daily at the end of the day or at the end of the week, I want you to write down a yes or a no by the things that God asked you to do. What if this is our family culture? What, what if this is what we talked about at the dinner table? What if instead of just, hey, you know, how was school or how was work? What if somebody was bold enough to ask the question, did the Holy Spirit prompt you to do anything today? I'm getting the goosies just thinking about it. Let me tell you something. So I, I am by no means, I, am, am, am I a perfect dad? Sometimes I don't even think I'm a good one. But my daughter, JL, is, is seven, and uh, she, she goes to AL lots. And, uh, and we talk, we, I, I don't, I'm not besmirching academia, I, I think it's important, we should do our best, but talk to JL about doing, doing her best at school, and we work on her homework, and uh, she wasn't getting great, great marks, and I said, hey, babe, are you doing your best? He said, no, sir. I said, hey, do you think that that dishonors Miss Arms? That's her teacher. She said, no, sir. I think, you, do you think you should apologize to Miss Arms? Uh, yes, sir. I said, hey, before we do our homework, 
let's write, a, let's write a note to Miss Arms that you can give her tomorrow and tell her that you're sorry for not giving your best to what she's given her life to. So in that moment, we're working through, hey, what do you feel prompted to do? And then what are we gonna do about it? I think our world would look drastically different if God's people said, what does God call me to do? And what will I do about it, right? My, my, amen? Amen, I, I know it's a hard to clap at. We'll clap together. Come on, we can do it. Now, I, my, my daughter's gonna get A, she can do a great job in school, but I, I'll be totally honest with you. I care more that she can hear God's voice and be bold enough to walk it out. So the first thing we want, right, the first thing we want is we wanna be able to write down what God has already done. We wanna write down what God has asked us to do and if we're carrying it out. And the last thing I want us to do is write down, remember who God is. Write down who God is. He's our savior. He's our provider. He's our healer. He's our portion. As you read God's word, you're gonna see more and more who God is. This will change your life. If you'll write down what God's already done, what he's asking you to do, and then remembering who God is. There is so much power and authority that gets handed to us that God has given us in that. The last thing that Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, he said, all power and authority on heaven has been given to me and I give it to you to go out and make people into disciples and teach them about this freedom that I've given you. That's why this journaling is such a big deal. That's why it's so important. This is a, dis a discipline that we have to have. It'll change your life. Gideon, at the beginning of Judges 6, we find Gideon hiding and working so that people don't take him. In Judges 7, which you're gonna read this week, either as a group or as a family or on your own, you're gonna read in Judges 7, but whenever there's this big victory coming, the whole army raises their swords and say, a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. Nobody in the crowd said, a sword for Jerubbaal. Nobody. If we will live a life where we remember what God's done, work towards obedience to what God has called us to do, and remember who God is, it will shift our fear from a fear of man and of me to one of a reverent fear towards God and a faith that calls us to live out what he's called us to be. Now, Maybe one of the most challenging things for you right now is one of the most fearful things for you might be your eternity. And what does that look like? Now, um, it's actually kind of ironic that uh, fear has actually stopped the church broadly uh, from talking about this next thing. There will be a point at the end of our lives, whether we die or whether Jesus comes back, there will be a point where you're asked this, que this question, why shall I let you into heaven? There's two choices. There's heaven, there's hell. Why should I let you in to heaven? And we've been fearful of people's response. So we don't ask that question a lot of times, but we believe it'll be asked. Now in Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I believe there's people all over who've been prompted to move this weekend, who've been prompted into a saving relationship with Jesus. And that's not because of me, it's not because of the great worship, it's because we've been talking about God's word, which is available to you 24 seven. It also says this in Romans 10, nine and 10, it says, if you will confess with your mouth to Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, you, you will be saved. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you will be saved. 
For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. It's not because of your works. It's because of Jesus' works. We just have to believe in them and receive them. And with the mouth he confesses, she confesses, resulting in salvation. Salvation is a declaration away. It's a confession away. And we're going to do that right here together. And you may be thinking, I don't deserve it. Jesus made it to where it's available to us. He, he didn't deserve to die so that we can have a relationship with God. It's amazing. The one place that we don't have to have any fear is in our eternal security because Jesus made a way for us to be certain about it. So all we have to do is confess our mouth, believe that he died and rose again for our sins so that we can have a relationship with God and we can walk in it. And that's what we're going to do right now. That's what we're going to do as a family. We just go ahead and join. We bow your head and close your eyes. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray that prayer. We're going to do it out loud. We're going to do it all together. At Faith Promise, we're a family. We don't have you do anything alone. Let's just say this together. Say, thank you, God, for wanting me. Please forgive me. You can have my old life. I want a new one. You can have my old heart. I want a new one. Be Lord of my life. Be my first love.